Welcome to the Illuminate Faith Podcast, Episode 7. My name's Dave Exley. I'm Doug Peck. And I'm Isaac Mundy. And we are here recording live at the Covent Garden Market in downtown London, Ontario. And uh, I just absolutely love the market uh, here. We're upstairs and uh, uh, had a chance to go down earlier and grab a, a coffee from a wonderful place called Has Beans, uh, where you can buy uh, roasted coffee beans, unroasted coffee beans. And there's a, a great jovial guy there if, uh, if you're ever wanting a, a happy wake-up coffee Some uh, morning here in London, Ontario. What else did you guys have? I had a uh, French Continental Dark Roast from Little Red Roaster, and it was dark to perfection. And I had another delicious hot chocolate with uh, cinnamony goodness right on top from Hasbins. Yes, excellent. So we're we're charged up, ready to go uh, today. In the episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, technology. Uh, this is something that obviously in the in the church, uh, people are questioning: How do we engage people? How do we leverage technology uh, to further and and dive deeper into what it means to be the church and, and engage uh, not only the wider community but those that are within our own faith communities here, whether it be with worship, whether it be with social media, whether it be from a pastoral care perspective. How is technology changing things. So we thought we would just have a conversation uh, about that. So uh, let's open it up. And uh, and Doug, what have your experiences been as, as things have sort of moved along in your congregation, your pastoral charge setting, uh, as it relates to uh, using technology? How do you use it uh, within the context of, of worship and in pastoral care? And how do you use social media? Well, it, it takes me back to graduating from theology school all of a sudden, no longer paying into to student loans anymore. My wife graduated soon after, and, and right away, no kids at the time, double income. I, I said, honey, let's get us some smartphones. And we splurged. We got ourselves some smartphones. And, and I, was, I was in ministry a little bit at that point, and, and, um, and I remember all of a sudden having this cell phone, having this powerful device in my hand, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden no longer feeling... Um, uh, confused about where I needed to be, how to make myself available to people, uh, going in between two rural churches where I'm often uh, going from farm to farm or, or in different uh, in different zones where, uh, you know, some people in, in the rural context that I'm in will talk about, uh, you know, calling to the barn and it's a long distance phone call. And all of a sudden, I had this smartphone. It had this special package. I wasn't I wasn't paying in uh, long distance fees anymore. You could reach me whenever you wanted, wherever I was. It was just super handy to to all of a sudden have that. Cell phones alone have really been a game changer for me. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in terms of thinking about the ways that technology changes things. I, I remember reading this one article by Andy Root on um, on his blog, and he's uh, out of uh, Minnesota and does a lot of really interesting stuff on youth ministry, and I'm working in youth ministry, so I find the stuff that he's writing really great. And he talks about how he, he made this comparison. Uh, there's this guy in the book of Acts named Simon the Magician, and he sort of wants to um, grab onto some of the new stuff going down with Christianity at that time and uh, feels like there's almost just like a magic solution. And I, I don't think we can approach technology in terms of it almost being like a magic solution because it didn't end up that well for Simon the Magician and probably won't <laughs> end that well for us either. But at the other, on the other side of things, I think that for me, what I've really noticed is it's allowed me to connect 
pastorally with people that I'm working with that I just normally wouldn't be able to um, because, you know, in terms of pastoral care with young people, it's not the same sort of idea as, okay, I'm going to go and sit down and have a tea at 10 a.m. in the morning. You need to be able to find different ways of meeting people where they are. And a lot of the time, the people that I'm talking with are on social media and um, are connecting through, I don't know, Facebook, through video games in terms of the people they interact with. And so I think it's important to be in those places where they are. Yeah, it, it, it does. I picking up on what you said about not there's not some magic solution there's not just some you know quick and i and i feel like in the church there's often this this mindset of of oh well yeah i use powerpoint you know on sunday mornings and and we've got screens in the church and that's that's the way that we uh leverage technology and that's it you know enough's enough um i'm i'm just i recognize just how much our world is is moving so quickly that uh, from a technology standpoint it's it's almost scary to think about the fact that that th- you know once something becomes the thing uh, whether it be facebook whether it be twitter that that very quickly all of a sudden it's it's we're, we're on to the next thing and that can be a, a daunting thing in a, in a church context where things do move very slowly so you almost have to look at it from the perspective of like every day every week every month we have to be reassessing and looking at it and saying you know what are we doing now uh to 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 change things and to move forward with things because it's not it's not going to be one thing that's going to solve our problems and move us ahead as as the church as far as uh, technology uh, goes do you feel like that yeah for sure and i think and i mean one of the the challenges is um how do we use it in terms of as an amazing gift and then how do we figure out when not to use and, and and when is the appropriate time to to use maybe some of the more traditional ways of being with people and i think for myself too one of the challenges is just figuring out like how how am i able to turn off at certain times as well in terms of the technologies i don't know if you guys find with like in terms of smartphones because when i came here to london and started working in youth ministry that was part of i'd never owned a cell phone before and then right away i had the smartphone but i felt like it was almost like my whole church life was present to me all the time and I had to figure out, okay, how do I do this so that I still <laughs> have a wife and kids? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, so there's certainly some uh, some pastoral implications there. How do we, yeah, does technology invade too much? And there are some people that they're all in and uh, and they're available at all times and there's there's a benefit to that but yeah how do we find balance so maybe we can talk about that a little bit as far as uh, from a pastoral perspective using technology uh, there are certain advantages uh, to to that uh, to to using a, a smartphone the, the ability to connect I find that uh, texting is such a helpful helpful thing uh, because you're very quickly able to engage people and uh, and just being available uh, from that standpoint from a pastoral perspective is is, is great uh, but uh, but it also can be very invasive too uh, yeah talk about that Doug I, I think uh, I'm just gonna quote my colleague in ministry here Reverend Isaac when whenever I see I really see you creating good healthy boundaries when uh, every now and then when you're off on leave uh, I'll notice that your Facebook account is set up to say Facebook Sabbath um, and I'm always impressed I've, I've uh, stolen the idea from you I'm always impressed with how many people who go to my church will like that that uh, profile that that says uh, 
uh, Facebook Sabbath. And, and I think if I were in their mindset, I'm thinking in my head that, that they're appreciating that healthy boundary. They're respecting that, uh, that there's time off for me. And, and in return, there's time off for them too. That Sabbath, an, uh, an ancient blessed thing, uh, applies to them too. Uh, but, but also, uh, just, just, uh, just, I think you, you hit it, Dave, with texting that I, I'm noticing it's not just young people that, that, uh, people, people in their fifties and sixties and seventies are texting me because it's, it's something that they're catching on to as well. Yeah, and it seems like in that case that that uh, when we talk to more and more people, whether it be grandparents, uh, parents, it's often folks that are the older generation that are catching on these days because it's their their uh, kids that are teaching them that or their grandkids, and they know that's the only way that they're going to be able to talk to them. And so, if it means that you know they're going to be able to be connected to them, then they're able to do that. So, from a pastoral perspective, I think that uh, it, you know it's important for us to sort of take that mindset too of saying, yeah, like imagine ourselves like being like that grandparent who wants to stay connected to their grandson or their granddaughter and the only way to do that is you know through texting and so they find a way to learn that so it's almost a great message to us that if we want to engage people if we want to you know dive into deeper relationships with people if we approach it from the standpoint of like I want to be involved in your life and so that means I got to be on Facebook. That means that maybe I've got to be on Twitter and and, and other things as well uh, so you know that's important. I think too, like for me, one of the things that I found helpful is it's almost like moving to um, trying to have cross-cultural dialogue. And one of the things that I think is really interesting in terms of whether you think about texting or people talking while they're playing video games or, or, or whatever, is that there's actually like a whole lot less eye contact. And there's part of that that scares me. Like I feel like that's it's really good in terms of a pastoral relationship to be able to meet face to face and be able to talk to people. And yet on the other side of things, like I don't know if you guys have ever found when you're on a road trip and everybody's sort of looking in one direction, sometimes it's like almost a conversation can open up that you wouldn't normally have if you were sitting down and almost kind of in this therapeutic type relationship where you're where you're each looking at each other. And um, so I think that there's something about the whole idea of um, social media giving us the permission to be talking without being so intensely present and in each other's faces that sometimes allows things to open up and percolate in a conversation that you wouldn't normally have and uh, but you hear about that when people go between different cultures of oh okay in this culture eye contact is uh, almost a sign of disrespect but it's hard for us to adjust to that I think and yeah I have uh, a congregation member that was once telling me about connecting with kids that are off at, at universities. She, she was mentioning, you know, some will call and talk away. Some are a little more introverted and, and don't call and just open up about how things are. So sometimes stresses build up. And, and, and what she was finding is exactly what you just said technology and chatting over Facebook or chatting in something that was more instant. Um, uh, or texting w was a way for for her to uh, to get the goods and and help be that positive influence with her children because uh, on on the Facebook chat they would open up and they would say things that they wouldn't say face to face and and that all of a sudden became a a, a way to really expand and and to be uh, a loving presence despite being far away. 
Something else I find just so endearing hearing about technology from congregation members these days is you're hearing more and more about kids just having to find jobs across the country. And then all of a sudden grandkids are born. And this is something that's just tough uh, in a rural community. It's, it's so often that, um, that you have a lot of family present. That it, it's, it's often that, you know, one, two, three, four generations all live very close to one another. And then when, when a child moves away and starts to have grandkids, it, it can be really tough on the family. But then you start hearing about people doing bedtime stories with Skype with children and grandchildren who are, who are in Alberta. And it is just absolutely endearing uh, that, that the face-to-face -face contact can still happen and that those relationships can develop. And, and it is just, it's just something you want to preach on and, and just tell people about how love can still reach yeah, and there is, we probably need to talk a little bit about that there's there's the positive side and there's the negative side too if we're talking about social media that certainly um, as it relates to young people that social media can be a place where uh, it can be a very dark place, uh, a, a troubling place. And so, and, and we're probably going to get into that maybe more in our next episode actually uh, with all the things that are happening uh, here in southwestern Ontario uh, related to that. But um, that just gives me even more motivation to say we as the church we you know whether it be it doesn't mean just the minister or the ministry staff that are part of the congregation but you know how are we as the wider body of the church um, being present uh, with the younger generation and, and and encouraging them and liking their posts and and you know or loving their posts and and engaging them in within that world and I, I recognize just how important that is to to not just go on Facebook just to share who I am but to go on Facebook uh, and to go on Twitter and to engage young people to make them feel like to to remind them as our creed reminds us that they are not alone mm -hmm. and and that they are surrounded by a, a you know this body of believers who care for them deeply um, and and love them and want to share that with them and, and just the power of that I don't think we realize just how powerful that can be you you're absolutely right I'm glad we're touching on the the darker side of the internet and and um, and young people are so exposed to this because the, the, as soon as something new comes out they're right on top of it and, um, and and that's why something that I think could be a very positive influence and so often you hear an old generation say oh computers that's beyond me but I always always want grandparents to know that they should be friends with their grandkids on Facebook that way hopefully They'll, they'll know there's a village out there and, and if I say something silly it, it's it's gonna follow me and, and every now and then I, I have one grandparent who says I've told my grandson to smarten up a couple times on <laughs> Facebook and, and I just think that's a, a, a great first way to start but but I think you're also touching on Dave uh, just being a positive influence and, and being one more presence as a as a minister as a as a leader and uh, as a spiritual presence as someone who loves them who uh, who's just affirming the things they do and connecting with them yeah for sure and, and I think too like because um like we were talking a little bit earlier about how there are so many different technology changes that happen so quickly and that even the different social media platforms that we used five years ago aren't going to be the same ones and it kind of moves from Facebook to Twitter to Snapchat to Yik Yak like it's all of these different things but I think that a lot of the time probably even for um, people who are more likely to adapt to those quickly, like in terms of teens and, and young adults, even for them, they're still adjusting to it all. And sometimes there is that tendency to 
overshare about maybe what they did last Saturday night or different things like that, that that can actually come back to haunt you later on when you're looking for work or running for political office or whatever. Um, and so it's, uh, it's helpful to have that community out there to still be able to create safe spaces online as well as safe spaces uh, in the kind of real world in air quotes. Um, but And I think probably for us too, it's important for us to think about um, how we create boundaries when we're trying to support people. Like say, if we're in a really deep conversation with somebody and it sounds like maybe they're in a place of danger or maybe a potential self-harm, do we actually know where they are when we're talking to them? How would we be able to reach out to them if we are in a conversation about something that is uh, emotionally heavy? Keeping all of those different things in mind, because sometimes we can enter into it almost as if we are in a physical conversation, but there are major differences that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Circling back, I, I thought for sure you had just made up something. You said Snapchat, Yik Yak, and I thought you were just making something up with the Yik Yak there. But I Googled it, and it's actually a thing, which actually speaks to something that, that we probably need to talk about, and that is that as we talk about the world moving forward here, the importance of recognizing uh, as, as the church that, I mean, things move at a rapid pace and I was surprised when we had did our episode uh, at Pierce Williams a number of weeks ago uh, where we talked to young people at, uh, at Youth Forum we just sort of did a, a quick poll to say okay what are you guys using as far as social media platforms you know is it Facebook uh, is it uh, Twitter and I had the assumption that maybe they had moved to, to Twitter and that was what people were using most but no they said Snapchat and uh, and so it's it, it's always interesting because we are often, as people who are you know under the age of 55, looked at as uh, ministry staff members who are the young members of the church who've got technology figured out. And the truth is, we actually don't because I have my daughter kind of teaching me about Snapchat and she's like 12 years old. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, an interesting thing and it, and, it, and it sort of reminds me just how important it is to constantly be sort of like refreshing and engaging people and the more that we can connect with different generations and say, yeah, what's happening in this world and can you teach me in order that we can better understand and better engage our world just how important that is. Our web designer in Kintor is a retired teacher, and she's just done phenomenal things with them. Um, uh, you know, she's she's our web designer slash organist, and, and she's done phenomenal things with our website. That's a common, uh, yeah. a common uh, <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> farmers are real jack-of-all-trades. I, I just love them. Um, uh, she, uh, you know, just to throw it in the mix, she, she also makes his uh, very fine uh, maple syrup from uh, from her sugar bush. Uh, but but that's that's farmers for you. You gotta love a rural community. Uh, they'll they'll just take anything on it. And she takes that spirit with uh, technology. That you know, she 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 doesn't profess to be an expert at this. She says, I'm just gonna tinker around and see what see what happens, right? Because so often. This stuff is made to be figured out, and once it is, all of a sudden there's new opportunities for us to to have at our disposal. Uh, and right away, what I'm thinking about about uh, how this can help us is uh, uh, we've mentioned him before in the podcast before John Pentland in, in his book Fishing Tips has really made it clear to today's church world that the people out there think they're weird unless they've had a positive experience they're either uh, not experienced with church or they've had a bad experience with church 
And, and the stuff in the media makes it seem a little weird. So for us to put ourselves out there is a great way to dispel these these myths. And because uh, it's it's more likely that you're going to listen to a sermon online than just pop into a sanctuary. Yeah, and the ability to for someone to go onto a website when they're thinking about engaging in a church and and to listen to you know, live or watch a live broadcast or listen to a sermon or watch a sermon online. Um, it'd be interesting to see the number of people that are choosing to do that. Uh, and, and which tells me a lot about uh, our world that we're living in today. And, and for some people, it might be a little scary thinking, oh, people may be able to, you know, in the past, they, they would have come into our sanctuaries and that would have given us an opportunity with them. And now it's, oh, they're going to go on the website and that may, you know, turn them off the church. But I see it as a great opportunity, actually, that, hey, what a wonderful challenge it is to all ministry staff across the country and all churches to say, hey, let's let's be on our game because we know that we may not be reaching you know, beyond, like we may think we're not reaching beyond those 40 or 50 people or, or whoever it is that's in our congregation or in our sanctuary, in our pews on Sunday morning or in our chairs uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, but there may be a number of people beyond that. Yeah. And, you know, I think in terms of the whole idea of outreach and, and looking to people beyond our walls, like, I think that one of the things, too, that's really helpful is like not even thinking in terms of how we use this as a communication tool in terms of technology, but how do we use the metaphors within our different technologies to be able to express um, an understanding of the gospel? Because like I remember there were there was a few Sundays ago where I was talking with one young person and something had come up in the curriculum um, about uh, our Sunday school curriculum about sacrifice and we were trying to talk about this and he just there was nothing that he felt like he could really grasp and then I said okay I know you like playing World of Warcraft like can you think of somebody laying down their life for somebody else in World of Warcraft and then he talked for like 10 minutes about <laughs> the image from wow. World of Warcraft so if we could think about like okay sometimes things like World of Warcraft Assassin's Creed like uh, the names kind of put us off but at the same time if those images are there how do we rework those images to be able to understand the message of the gospel and the story of faith so that people can actually understand them in something that they're present to on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of a, a story that John Pentland shared uh, with us at uh, the annual meeting of London Conference uh, last weekend and was saying that he had met up with uh, with somebody, I might butcher this story here, but met up with somebody uh, who was a kind of peripheral member of their congregation who hadn't been to church in a while. And, uh, and John's challenge was, hey, you know, text me the name of a sermon title and I'll, I'll run with it. And uh, and sure enough, you know, the guy responded uh, and said, I think it was something along the lines of how to ride a bike. And so John wrote a sermon. And sure enough, as far as I know, he sh this guy showed up that that Sunday. And and what a great, great story that is. I think about things like that. And like, it's such a small thing, how texting can transform our, our ministry. I think also from a, a pastoral care perspective, uh, a minister, a friend of mine who shared a couple of years ago where uh, there was a a teenage member of the congregation that texted them one day, uh, you know, had a good relationship with this person uh, and uh, 
the per, the the teenager was at the mall, the local mall, and uh, and spotted a member of the congregation, older member of the congregation who was in their their nineties, and uh, uh, happened to mention, oh, I was just talking to so and so from the congregation, and did you know that the their brother is not doing well, and uh, just what a wonderful that exchange that was. That here is, you know, it's a way to widen the the, the circle, the care circle too. That if we're sort of available to to people, it. It's, it's an opportunity for, for young people because we have to look at them and say, how are we involving them in the pastoral care of the church? It's not all on the minister. It's not all on the adult members of the congregation. But how are we building up that capacity within our young people? And here's this great story of being a, the minister being available uh, via text. And that gives the opportunity for this young person to get involved in the pastoral care of the congregation. What a great story that is. Let's talk about technology from the standpoint of worship, because I know that that's something that people are often thinking about. How do, how do we engage people? And I think this is where it goes beyond PowerPoint, which can sometimes be uh, a cop-out for. Well, that's, I've, I've, I leverage technology by using PowerPoint on, on a Sunday morning, and we've got screens in the church. Um, how do we go beyond that? What have your experiences been, either as uh, somebody who's been uh, within a worship space where they've leveraged uh, technology well, uh, or whether you've had a great experience uh, with that? Well, just a, just a really small story to go back to PowerPoint. It was a big deal for us as a small rural congregation to go to PowerPoint. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I can't do PowerPoint alone. I need a sound person at the back. I need a, a visual tech person at the back or, or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and then another rural minister just said to me, oh, just do it yourself. You know, you, you buy this $90 uh, doohickey thing that just lets you advance the slides as you go. And it's just this little remote control device. It's wireless. It pop, uh, One end pops into a USB port and the computer I'm using. And, and uh, I've got the other, uh, I've got the little remote that nobody can really see in my hand. And it, it's just so handy to not, e- even churches without, with, with the smallest of spaces can just use, just, uh, simple PowerPoint presentation by themselves, really efficiently, and and so, uh, but but yeah, let's go on beyond this. But but I, I was just surprised how easy it was to do, just by myself. I think for me, one of the things that has changed in terms of worship leader, uh, worship leadership, is that since I've begun to use social media. Um, I've realized how much um, interactivity within worship can be a gift. And I think that because a lot of the time when you post something online, it's not like just I'm posting something and now everybody consume what I posted. People want to interact back. They want to like or retweet or write a comment in terms of what you have written. And so I think that that's probably changed also the way that I preach and lead worship and that um, now I've gotten to the point where, say, even if there's not something up on the PowerPoint screen or if there's uh, anything going on in terms of any other technology, I'm still thinking about, okay, how are people going to actually respond and leaving that open within the experience of worship to s- ask people questions and say, what do you folks think? And allow them to actually shout it out and uh, and say what what's on their mind so that the whole experience of worship, I guess, begins to reflect the same sort of uh, reality of what we're doing within the social media world, this idea that 
worship can be something that's not just one person speaking out and then other people consuming, but the idea that there's a whole lot more interactivity there. Well, and there's the challenge, I think. Maybe you've hit upon the important challenge as we look ahead to the next decade of worship because we're living in this culture right now that you know, Facebook is, and, and Twitter and, and social media is all about engagement. It's not about, I'm going to post something and it's for me. It's about like, okay, likes and clicks and, and people being able to sort of see, hey, what's going on in, within your world and, and being able to be, begin a conversation. And worship, uh, the way that we use it today is not so much that. It's very much a one-way sort of like, uh, you know, we're going to do worship at you. <laughs> uh, you know, certainly there's engagement within worship as we think about it, but that's the question for me is, yeah, what what are we doing to maybe transform like uh, the worship time or whether it be the sermon time, whether it's the prayers, uh, how are we doing that in such a way as to sort of um, not mimic, but but to to reflect what's going on, you know, culturally as it relates to that. And, and, and so I know that there are many churches that would have a hard time with people being down on their looking on their phones. But imagine it like somebody being so moved by a quote that's been used within worship or something that the minister says that they want to tweet that out. Like, that's amazing. And yet, I think a lot of our worship spaces are, are set up that if somebody were be, to be on their phone, the assumption would be, oh, they're, they're tuned out. They're dialed out. And so how, how can we make that shift in order to encourage engagement within that? And maybe part of that is to educate people, uh, to say, hey, today we're going to... Um, you know, and maybe our congregation is not, you know, made up of people that, that are wired to do that. But maybe we can get people uh, uh, wired up in such a way that they, they want to engage. And maybe we just test that out on a Sunday morning. I know I've talked to ministers before that, that have uh, encouraged people to tweet during the service. Uh, and it's been a difficult thing because people are uh, tend to shy away from that because they think that it's not welcome. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Have, have you have you done much of that of uh, encouraging that within the context of worship outside of just sort of getting people to do that uh, from a, uh, a conversational standpoint? Yeah, I remember hearing I remember uh, hearing this thing on the 180 on the CBC about the whole idea of tweeting during the service. And I think that's great. And I think that I think when I do see people on their phones, I mean, maybe it's just that they're tuning out because they're finding me boring. But on the other hand, maybe they are looking for some sort of a quote or something that could uh, go along with uh, what they're experiencing in worship. And, you know, I think that it really reflects even what Paul says in like one of the letters to the Corinthians. I can't remember which one, but he's talking about worship and he's talking about yeah, Buddy brings his song and somebody else brings one of uh, their pieces that they want to say. And there was this whole sense of that worship was this experience where people bring things along, that there, there's this kind of outreach into the world. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm all right with people using their technology. I don't know if I've actually said tweet this or, <laughs> or anything like that, but uh, yeah. They couldn't possibly be bored and, and tuning out. I, I can't imagine that, Isaac, at all. The, the place where I've seen it most powerfully performed is in a prayer is in the prayer life of the community um, in the past it, you almost need to wait for the obits to happen or for Sunday morning to happen to find out that someone who's been very ill has now taken the next step and has passed passed away um, the uh, so some of our administrators on our Facebook group have taken to asking for prayers before before someone has passed away and, and uh, leading up and, and as they're becoming more and more seriously ill and, and perhaps illness is advancing, uh, 
prayer calls are put out and it, it's so moving to just see the comments that come in and, and to see how many people are all of a sudden stopping, taking time and, and joining hearts together as one in, in that moment. Yeah, you know, Doug, you, you bring up an important piece. And I think that the just how how technology can really engage us in the lives of, of, of people and, and can give us an opportunity to, because it used to be that Sunday morning was the place that, okay, that's the only time where I can, I've got to show up on Sunday morning and uh, I have to raise my hand if, if that's what we do, or I have to write down, this is my prayer. I've got to see the minister beforehand and say, can we pray for this person or pray for me? Uh, or whether it's a generic pray, prayer, a specific prayer, that's the only time to do that. But you think about the ability that you know Facebook and, and Twitter and all those things give us to continually be doing what we should be doing as the church, and that is just like... It, continuously praying in the lives of uh, you know for the the people that are engaged within our community and giving others the opportunity to provide that care as well and so the people that are willing and not everybody's willing to do this but so many people are are willing to put those things out there to put that prayer request out there Uh, and I think that that's it really enriching the life of our, of our congregations because we're recognizing that prayer is not just something for Sunday morning. It's something that we can carry with us throughout the week, and we can surround people in prayer, which brings us right back to uh, to you know issues of mental health and 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 you know crises and, and the dark side of of uh, uh, social media that might provide you know. Uh, might put us in a situation where we need to provide that that care for people but you know I, I think that that's such a wonderful thing that Sunday morning doesn't have to be the place that uh, that we have that opportunity to provide that care even beyond Sunday morning yeah and in some ways too then it ends up being also that church isn't the only I mean things have changed too over the last little while it's not as if the only places that funerals happen are at churches but One of the things that I've noticed in terms of when a death does occur is that people do do a lot of their mourning online. And and I think, too, and I haven't gotten to the point where I figured out how to adjust to this, but how do you mourn well online? That's that's one question that I ask for myself because I don't know if you've had the experience of somebody that you know who's died and then, you know, the next February when their birthday is, it comes up and they said, it says this person's 88 years old and you know you get the reminder in your Facebook feed and um, you're thinking no they're not they're dead like um, how how do you how do we respond to the fact that in in some ways our online personalities continue on and 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 how do we deal with death because we are kind of the place that deals with death when the rest of society doesn't want to but and I and I'm not clear yet on how I do that well in terms of uh, the social media world and being online, but it's uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. Well, certainly, uh, if we're dealing with uh, end of life stuff, death, uh, the way that uh, funeral homes are, are handling this, you know, with being able to go in uh, to a person's page and, and write something, if if someone, uh, a loved one, uh, a friend has died and they're living across the country or you're out of the country and, and you can't be there or it's, you know, you've got a life situation that prevents you from being there, the ability to just write a little note to, to folks. I mean, that's that's been a great addition. Uh, and I'm sure that those that have lost loved ones that have been able to see all of these these messages of care and love that or being able to light a candle online or something like that, being able to watch the, the remembrance video and things like that, what a wonderful gift that is to us, which... Uh, 
which has has me thinking yeah how how is how are we as the church doing that are we offering that same thing because the funeral homes are the places where that's that's happening and that's wonderful but perhaps a loved one's you know funeral is happening within the context of 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 the sanctuary and are we equipped to live stream that because what a gift that would be uh, to be able to do that and offer that for for people, uh, so it, it, it's forcing us to be thinking about yeah how how can we advance ourselves from a technological standpoint uh, so that we can provide care because often we think technology is just for the sake of technology or it's just for the sake of looking flashy but actually the more we discuss this the more we realize that there are so many pastoral care implications related to technology uh, that uh, that are important for us to talk about. When, when I experience death online and all, I, and all I see perhaps is a bunch of comments on Facebook of someone's passing, you can really feel like someone's death has been m- minimalized to the point or minimized to the point of, of just saying rest in peace, rest in peace, rip, 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 rest in peace. And, and, and there's, there's a desire in me, as you say, Isaac, to, to experience more, to, to experience it well. Um, just something as simple as as uh, every funeral I go to, no matter where I go, just just to bring the audio recorder along, press play as soon as that funeral begins, and and press stop as soon as it ends, and then give the sound bite to the to the family, or or post it on SoundCloud with their permission, mm-hmm. so that it's downloadable for other family members to have uh, a copy of it, and and. Um, that, that moment of, of grieving can be quite intense. So to listen to it a year later has often been reported as very uh, strong pastoral presence for people to, to be, be part of their healing down the road when, when they're more equipped to, uh, to, to have the emotion, the severe emotions pass them by and, and take in and, and heal more. That's so great that uh, that you do that, that you provide that that service uh, for folks, and uh, I'm sure that you've you've learned so much in the process of, of doing that. D- just one kind of final story as I think about this that, that might wrap us up as we as we head towards the uh, the end of the episode here. Just thinking in terms of just this podcast, and and I've shared this story with you guys, but I don't think I've shared it with the with the wider world. Um, just where we are today and the advantages of of the technology the tools that are at our hands uh, today you know the free tools that are at our hands today and and compare that to where we were you know 20 years ago um so i studied broadcasting and uh, i was eager to enter the uh, the broadcasting world prior to feeling the call to to ministry a good uh, you know two decades ago and in the midst of that uh, uh, time was actually uh, working with a number of other uh, broadcasting students and we were looking to open up a, uh, a start a brand new radio station actually here in London, Ontario, oddly enough. Uh, not all of us were from London, but we saw a real opportunity uh, here in London in the mid-90s. And so I'm dating myself already. Uh, so here we were in the mid-90s and we had all these, ex- we, there was such excitement about this this idea of, of starting a brand new radio station. And so one of the guys who was involved in the project just said, oh, okay, I'll get it. I'll get a hold of the CRTC application for uh, for a broadcasting license. And here we were, we're so naive. I mean, we kind of had a sense of what was going to happen there, but all of a sudden we get the application back and it's like the Toronto phone book. It is absolutely massive. And we discover that you need a lawyer also to fill that out, which came at the cost of like, I think like $150 an hour or something like that. And instantly 
our idea, our dream was like crushed. There's no way. We're, this is such an uphill battle to climb uh, in order to, to broadcast to the world. And yet here we are 20 years later and what does it take for somebody to start a podcast? A, you know, really, a, you could all you need is a smartphone or a computer and a microphone, and away you go, and you can publish to the world. What a wonderful thing it is that we live in this world of technology that enables us to engage people uh, at at no cost, where we don't have that major hill to climb. That the world is sort of like flattening from the standpoint that some you know kid in a basement can start a podcast, and it doesn't require them to have all the equipment that the CBC has at their fingertips. That if you want to publish to the world, you can start a blog. You don't need to you know get the printing press uh, and and you know all of a sudden buy a, a newspaper in order to to uh, or, or you know go through journalism school in order to do that. And what a wonderful thing that is. I know that the establishment is kind of scared of that because it, what it, the implications for traditional sort of broadcasting outlets and traditional um, you know print publications and things like that, they're under threat in some cases. But what it means for us in the church actually is amazing because it doesn't matter whether you're a rural church, it doesn't matter whether you're a large church, we all have access to the same tools. And what a great thing that is. So I just want to kind of celebrate that and uplift that. And hopefully people will share stories of how that has kind of impacted them and, and how they've done uh, things with technology that are even beyond what we can uh, share here today. So any closing thoughts? Very well said, Dave. I concur. <laughs> Thank you for concurring. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Illuminate Faith. And, uh, and we'll look forward to being back uh, uh, next week with you and, uh, and having some further conversations about, uh, about life, faith, sharing stories of hope and new life uh, for the church. Uh, and we'll leave you with that. Take care. Have a great week.